welcome to Books, the podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we are booksmen. You know what I was last night, Tom? A booksman? No. No, I'm only booksman. Uh, I'm only a booksman uh, when I'm on the clock here. Oh, okay. I've been reading a lot this week, and it's been nice. Uh, just around the world in eighty days, or other no? I, I'm also I'm almost done with Station Eleven. That's the novel I'm reading. Uh, right. The other novel I'm reading right now. Like I sat down and read like half the book the other night, and I was like, "This is great." I forgot about everything else going on, and now I'm just enthralled by this different global pandemic. <laughs> I mean, hey, uh, at least you know that one's not real. Well, I've got like a big to be read pile TBR of like. Not a not a to be read pile of books where I'm like, ah, I I gotta read that. I've like a few books and I'm like, no, I really wanna read this book. So I'm I'm hunkering down, reading a lot. Yeah, I feel like this last couple weeks have been the first time um that I've been able to be like, okay, I'm calmed down enough to like sit and actually uh take advantage of the fact that there isn't much to do right now yeah. and actually do something productive rather than just like read terrifying news stories or right. like tr- watch the food network halfway while looking at Twitter on my phone. Like I've been sitting down and reading books as well. And it's lovely. <laughs> uh, it's something that I couldn't like focus on even before. Oh yeah. That. I mean, that that was common. I think a lot of people uh, couldn't focus on, on, yeah, uh, things like books. Reading yeah. went down. Reading of yeah. books went down, I should say. Reading of like news it, went up. Yeah, and I feel like it, it went, for me, it got even worse for a little while. But now I'm settling into it's better than it, it's ever been. Since yeah. I was like like sitting down for like an hour and reading a book. When's the last time I did that? Oh yeah. No, I mean just uh the other night like I stayed up like later than I was intending to because guess what? I was engrossed in a book. <clears throat> I don't have a long to read pile. To be I, read, I, not to, to read. To be read. Well, I mean to read is fine. To be read. It's fine to read, but it's better to be read. Uh, that's where that saying yeah. comes from <laughs> I, I i don't have i i had i took a long time choosing a book tom mm. i mean the next few books that i have i'm not actually sure which one i'm gonna read yet the uh, next rather how you're just gonna pick the most erotic one based on the cover it's hard to tell because all of them are pretty erotic to be honest with you I like to read an yeah. erotic novel. I've only ever read Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in like reading one of the like really trashy ones. The ones that like Fabio would uh would pose. Those for aren't the cover no, I mean those aren't the trashy ones. Those are the mainstream ones. But what are they? Like, do they say like like penis in them and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah tim it's a book they could say anything they want yeah but like uh housewives were reading this i know that i used to work with somebody uh whose wife is a a pretty famous romance author uh so i won't mention any names but uh he i don't know el fudge el fudge yeah no that's a keebler elf yeah um he would bring in like it was, you know, very nice and, and cute uh, when she was like first starting out. He would bring in, um, you know, like a box full of her novels, like, you know, a box full of like her her newest book that was coming out for like anybody at work to take. Um, Here, guys, take this smut on the house. Well, but that was the thing. Get it was fired like, for it. It was like, well, this is like very adorable that like, you know, you're you're supportive of your wife. That's great. Uh, but it was also like, uh, I don't know what you expected for people for a predominantly young male workplace that people are just going to pick up this book, leaf through it and find something, uh, you know, ex- expletives, uh, ex- what am Explicit? I trying to say? Explicit. 
uh, and then read it out loud and say, is this about you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it seems to me that it's funny that like, on the one hand, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like erotic romance novels are as mainstream as ever right now. Yeah. Right. But and like it, it's all about, you know, wokeness or whatever. Um, but at the same time, if you said any of the things that were written in those books in your workplace, you'd probably get fired. Not so at this workplace, like, but yeah, normal. Yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just seems uh, like. Hey, yeah, no, this is this is a totally mainstream thing. Yeah. But don't you dare read a paragraph about this, otherwise it's HR will um call you into their office. Well, that's what the the ebook market has been huge for the genre because erotic all, books. Yeah, because all of a sudden you don't have a book cover with Fabio on it when you're in the subway. Yeah. You know, you're reading on your Kimball or you're reading on your phone. And nobody knows what you're reading. You could be reading uh, a War and Peace for all they know. That's why. Uh, that's how I'm reading all these books about the Muppets. <laughs> um, I feel judged. Maybe for the next round of books, Tim, you should put up a bunch of uh, romance novels, and you'll read one. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. But not like the Fifty Shades. Uh, I think. Uh... Other classics. You know what? Interview with the Vampire was supposed to be real erotic, but it was just boring. It, you know what? It wasn't. Re- no, like nobody has sex in the whole book. I don't think. Mm, I don't remember. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's like a different. People aren't reading that for. I mean, they are, but it's not being. It's not in the genre of like romance or erotic. Yeah, I'm saying you should read something that is in the genre romance or erotic All right. romance. All right, maybe I'll do it. Maybe you'll learn a thing or two. Just wait. Just you wait and see, Tom. Maybe you'll learn a thing or two and finally lose your virginity. Not likely, Tom. <laughs> Not likely speaking with the way of, things are going. Speaking of uh, interview with a vampire, the star of that film, Tom Cruise, yeah. is being shot into space to film a movie. I called it years ago. Did you? Yeah, because like NASA said, like, oh, we're like opening up the International Space Station or something like to the idea of like shooting a movie in space. And I was like, oh, it's going to be Tom Cruise Mission Impossible. <laughs> it's not going to be Mission Impossible, apparently, but it is going to be Tom Cruise. You know what? The man just can't kill himself. I'm glad that he's doing it, and I think it's cool, but like, they're not going to let him do anything really cool looking up there. Like, you know, in Mission Impossible, when he strapped himself to the side of a a, a A jet that was taking off. Yeah, that's cool. And like, (laughs) that looks cool on screen. Yeah. And even when you know, like, like he's in a harness, he's not really just hanging on. It's like, still being in a harness that i wouldn't do that but like they're gonna film it on the international space station they're not gonna be like okay and this is gonna be the part where you're doing a spacewalk and uh an explosion (laughs) shoots you up and you have to like climb back like they're not gonna let them do that just to be like all right you're in the international space station and you eat a sandwich (laughs) but like you're in space so it's 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 pretty cool. Uh, you accidentally open up a ba- a bag full of sand, and now the sand's getting everywhere. You're never going to be able to get all those grains. Yeah. No, they're not going to let them do that on the ISS. I found out recently, you know, it's like a famous thing that, uh, like, uh, uh, the Americans spent, you know, uh, $50 million inventing the space pen to write in space. You know what the Russians did? They used a pencil. Right, right. Completely wrong. The thing really? is, the the company that makes space pens, which, by the way, great pens. I love their pens. Fisher. Uh, they spent that Fisher money. Price. Not Fisher Price. <laughs> they spent that money themselves. They spent a lot of money researching it to get the contract, but also, you know, because then they could be like, you know, they're still selling pens to this day, 60 years later. To rubes like you. Yeah. Saying, hey, these are space pens. Um and also the Russians use pencils in the beginning and then they realize, 
oh, graphite particles are extremely dangerous to have floating around in space because they can make connections between circuits and possibly short circuit uh, something. Just a goddamn dumbass Soviets. Just nice a little job, factoid. Idiots. No, the U.S. government, NASA, paid like $2 a pen. They didn't pay for the research and development. That's all. That's Tom's yeah. Tom's fact of the week. That's good. You know what? You don't hear about ISIS a lot anymore. Uh, we've defeated ISIS. Okay. Um, around the world in 80 days. Yes. Tim, do you remember what was happening last week? They went to India. Mm-hmm. Tom, here's the thing. They went to India and rode an elephant. Yeah, I remember that. Stomped around on an elephant for a while. Um, you have a lot of people in the content in the in the comments mm-hmm. correcting your <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I feel I like they've been there checking some... the comments. What are they saying? They're saying you're Can ugly. We turn the comments off. <laughs> how do I? How do I get? Uh... I don't want to be corrected. To log in. Since when do I have to log into Patreon? Hold on. Oh, these are like thoughtful comments, though. Yeah, exactly. They're doing the work that you should be doing. <laughs> hey, I'm just reading it. Uh, the first one here is from Robert. The King of the Stranglers is a reference to the Thuggy cults in India, which was allegedly active at the time. They were devo- devotees of Kali, and their belief was that they had to kill people for her without spilling their blood as a sacrifice to her. Historians of today believe that they were either made up or exaggerated by British colonialists who sought to use them as an excuse to expand into non-British-controlled India, but old Jules Verne probably believed they were real. I mean, that's believable, and, like, at the time, sure, he wasn't, he wasn't doing research himself. He wasn't going to India, I bet. Uh, yeah, and then William Tomlinson said, "If you're not clear what happened in the court scene uh, on Calcutta, I think that was because uh, you didn't explain it. You said you forgot what happened there." <laughs> Maybe uh, Bog and Passport Two think the Indian priests are from the ceremony where they uh, rescued Auda. Yeah, Auda. Uh huh. Um. But actually, they are from the temple in Bombay where Passepartout Two entered wearing his shoes, which is a crime. Fix's plan is to hold Fogg and Passepartout Two on the lesser crime while he waits for the arrest warrant from London. That makes a lot more sense than what you said. You know what, though? In fairness, I feel like that might not have become apparent until these next few chapters. I might be okay. wrong, but I did... It is mentioned that that was uh, uh, that fix was behind the the priest thing uh, in these chapters. I'll tell you what, there is a few chapters in here where I'm reading them and I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, One in particular uh, this week where like I went back because I'm like, I must have missed something. And then the next chapter, I'm like, no, I didn't miss anything. And then the next chapter, it's like, aha, here's what happened. So I'm like, ah, okay. So that happens a lot in this book. So it's not my fault. So just plow ahead. Sometimes details are revealed later. And that's fine. That's okay. Okay. So now where we left. This book was not necessarily uh, written to be read part by part on a podcast. I bet Jules Verne probably couldn't even imagine a podcast back then. If you went back and explained a podcast to Jules Verne, his fucking brain <laughs> would turn to mush. You'd die on the spot. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, oh, and could I listen to one of these 20,000 leagues under the sea? Like, yeah. yeah, you could, you dummy. And guess what? James Cameron will take you there himself. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he made a little movie called The Terminator. And wait till you get a load of this. A robot sent back in time that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then you show him a picture of Arnold. Yeah. At his peak. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, why don't you show me some strong man of your era? He'd be like, they pale in comparison. I've never seen such a strong man. Chapter 19. (laughs) Uh 
uh, Fix and uh, Passaparto. Passaparto. Passaparto? Passepartout? Passepartout, yeah. I have no idea. I think it is Passepartout. Fix and Passepartout, uh, they go to a bar because they're like, ah, we should get a drink. They ran into each other uh, the, the chapter previous, if you remember. Uh, they're in uh, Hong Kong, I believe. I've heard of it. So, I've never been. Uh, so they're they're hanging out and they're like, ah, let's go find a bar. You know, good idea if you're hanging out. So they go to this bar and uh, it's like a real dingy place. And they realize that uh, the bar has like a giant bed in the back where some people are sleeping. It is a uh, 20 person bed for uh, uh, people smoking opium to just go sleep on. That's cool. <laughs> Uh, and then there's hey, like, that's like uh, uh, hey, or as, as you knew it, college. <laughs> My college dorm. Yeah. Tim, look, I'd rather you not tell everybody about how I smoked a lot of opium uh, back in the day. I was looking into how to make opium after I was reading this. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just cool pop- Google search. Yeah. Nice, uh... <laughs> just poppy seeds. Um. And apparently, like it's not that hard, except you would you have to grow like a lot of poppies, uh, and that will draw attention because nobody <laughs> grows a lot of poppies unless they're right. making heroin. Uh, so that's why a lot of it comes from Afghanistan, because you know there's a very Afghanistan and other countries where there's you know very little government where you can just set up giant poppy fields. Uh, but also, nowadays, v- it, nearly impossible to find heroin that isn't uh, mixed with fentanyl. Nearly impossible? Yeah. Just because, like, fentanyl's heroin, pure heroin, is so expensive and so hard to make. That's what makes it expensive. And fentanyl is so cheap and so easy to make. Uh, and require so much less that like, you know, they'll, they'll pad out heroin with fentanyl and then that might kill you. I mean, heroin might kill you too, but yeah, it's all bad stuff. Hey, keep an eye out. That's all I'm saying. Um, keep an eye out for pure heroin (laughs) and 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 then don't do it. And if you see it, snap it up because that's a good, yeah, it's hard to find. Flush it down the toilet. Yeah. Um, so actually in this, there's like a long, uh, like a, maybe like a page, page and a half about like how bad opium is. Good. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. So this is when, um, fix like, he's like, look, I like, we're about to leave Hong Kong. I'm not going to be able to get this guy, uh, fog. I'm going to just open up and tell uh, uh, Passepartout, like, what's going on, who I really am. Very funny. Do you remember who Passepartout thinks Fix is? Um, no. He thinks he is a detective sent by the other guys at the Gentleman Club. Oh, right, right, to, right. Yeah. you know, uh, like... Kind of- Screw them up a little bit. Yeah, like report back about his progress and screw him up. There's a very funny bit here of uh, like mistaken identity where it's like, it's time for me to tell you who I am. He's like, I know who you are. I know who you've been all along. And they don't say <laughs> what it is. So they're both just talking where he's like, well, you know, Fix is like, well, look, you know, sooner or later, I'm going to have to do my job. And Pass Part Two is like, like, hell, you're going to have to do your job. I won't let you. <laughs> and he's like, really? You'll, you'll, you're, you know, you're the guy you're representing is a scoundrel. He's like, he is nothing but the, of the sort, sir. This is like a Three's Company episode. Oh, 100%. It's, it, it, it takes a page right out of, um, uh, uh, Furley was that the landlord's name? McFurley, yeah, Mister Fur- Furley, Mister Furley, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but then they finally sort it out, which actually I was glad to see because I'm like, look, don't stretch the bit out too long, you know. 
Like it's funny. Jules Verne knows to get in and get out. Yeah, it's funny, but then I don't want to read, you know, multiple chapters of mistaken identity because then you're stretching it. Uh right. the believability. They sort it out. And then uh, you know, Fix is like, hey, why don't you uh you know help me out? There's a little scratch in it for you. And he says to him, I'm gonna start using this phrase in real life. I come from a village where they don't eat that kind of bread. What does that mean? It, it, Money? it translates to I'm not a rat, essentially. Mm. Uh, but I come from a village where they don't eat that kind of bread. So uh, that's, that's a cool phrase. I think we can adapt that for the 21st century. Yeah. Right? I come from a city where they don't eat that kind of. Golden grams. <laughs> popular city food <laughs> um so at this point like they're both pretty hammered they've been in this bar for a while and fix is like oh i know how i can like screw them up because fix is still just waiting for the freaking warrant to come in mm-hmm. and he doesn't want them to leave hong kong because that's the last place of uh uh where england has jurisdiction uh otherwise they're going to be somewhere where he has to get uh an extradition order Right. So fix well, this is just a real tour of uh the world. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, um Fix sees that uh Passepartout's like hammered and he's like, oh, I know what I can do. And he just like carefully places an opium pipe in his hand. <laughs> and he's like that kind of drunk where it's like, Oh, this is my hand, I guess I'll use it. And he smokes opium. Well, bad news, because you know, that shit will put you right in your ass. Yeah, or in a bed with 20 other people. Well, that's what eventually happens. Fix leaves. We find out later that, you know, <laughs> like the bar back was like, oh, well, there's another one. <laughs> Let's just put him on the bed. Uh, Fix leaves. Fix runs into uh, uh, Fog and Ayuda. Um, you know, it's like, oh, fancy meeting you here kind of thing. Like, oh, wow, this is what the fourth country we've run into each other in. Weird. Um, is fog dumb? No, I don't think so. I, I they haven't hinted that fog he's, knows what's going on, but I suspect he does. Yeah, I suspect probably, he uh, he's figured out who fixes. He seems pretty cunning, actually. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I uh, might have a little bit of a crush on him. <laughs> well, join, uh, get in line behind Ayuda. Oh, really? And, and Passepartout. Passepartout is smitten as well, I would think. Um, so, Check it out, Tom. I just found a yo-yo. Oh, my God. You did. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going through your wife's like, uh, like childhood drawers right now? Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, I found this yo-yo. You keep. You can keep talking about the book. I'm going to work on my yo-yo no, tricks. No, don't work you do on it. your... Tim, people are paying for this. You can't just go work on yo-yo tricks. You're not even going to be good right at right here. I know. I had to get better. Oh, like, next week, I'll be great. The fact that, uh, that you have a handheld microphone is just... Uh, I'm going to order a stand and ship it to you, so you have to keep the microphone in one place. You can't make me use the stand. <laughs> I'll tell your wife that you're going through her things. <laughs> oh, uh, no. I'm walking the dog. You're not walking the dog. You <laughs> fucked up the yo-yo already. Yeah, I'm putting it back. <laughs> um, so if you remember, the the big reason why Fix had to get past part two uh, was trying to delay him was that the ship that all of them thought was leaving the next morning was actually leaving that night. And Passepartout oh. knew this and was going to tell Fog. So he's like, oh, I got to, you know, uh, throw a wrench in this so that th- they don't get on the ship in time. So indeed, the ship leaves. They miss it. Um, nice. Good work, Fix. I'm against Fog because he's a scoundrel. Well, Fog is like, you know, he's, he's cool as a cucumber. And he's like, all right, well, we'll just go find a boat that will take us to Shanghai. Uh, we'll, we'll meet up with the ship. He finds out that the ship 
that they were going to catch in Japan to San Francisco actually takes off from Shanghai. So Shanghai is closer. They could potentially get to Shanghai before the ship leaves Shanghai. Mm. And then they don't have to worry about going all the way to Japan because he can't find a ship that's willing to go from Hong Kong to Japan because it's it's very far and it's like treacherous ocean that like only mm-hmm. big ships feel comfortable in. Uh, but he finds this guy, John Burn Bunsby, a captain, and he's like, I'll take John you. Bunsby? Bunsby. It feels like, um, and I don't know why, but that name makes it feel like He's a character from another Jules Verne book that's like making a cameo. Oh, ma- the the, the Jules the Verne Verneverse. Yeah, exactly. Um, the JVEU. The, uh, uh, fix figures. He did this to avoid looking like him. Oh, uh, fix by this point uh, is like I think I know why this guy didn't just travel right to America uh, because that would have made him look like a villain if he did that. But if he goes around the world, then he would throw everybody off his scent. And, you know, he, but, so he's going to stay in like the, yeah, the theory is he's going to stay in the U S that's where scoundrels. what, that's what fix thinks that like, he's just going to stay in America. And it's like, well, if he took off for America, I guess because, Part of it is, I guess, if he just left for America, everybody would be like, oh, we figured out what he did. He stole from us. He went to America. Let's go to America and find him. Right. So he's going the long way to America is what fixed things. Uh, they're on the ship. They're they're five miles offshore. Oh, they're, they're staying very close to the shore because it's a relatively small ship. But um, uh, fix comes along. Uh, Fog is like, hey, I'm already paying for this boat. Come along, come with us. You're welcome. What an idiot! Well, and the whole and the thing is, Fix feels like a real piece of shit for like you know accepting a free ride, and you know Fog's paying for everything. Like he doesn't want to eat because like you know he's like, oh, this guy doesn't know I'm trying to collar him, and he's like paying for my breakfast. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, typhoon. Does comes- he say? Does he say collar in the book or is that you using? That's that's me. That's my slang. Cool. You've been watching The Wire lately or something? No, Tamish. I've been watching a lot of Car 54. Where are you? (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, uh, Typhoon comes in. They all stay on deck during this typhoon. Uh, This typhoon sounds crazy, like huge waves chasing them. But they're going a little bit faster than the wave. So the wave isn't crashing on them. But uh, the typhoon winds up like really helping them out, really, uh, you know, making the ship go fast. Right. Um, it's sti- it, I think it's a sailboat. I think this one's just a sailboat. I think the next boat is sail and steam. Uh, they see they, they get to Shanghai and they see the boat that they're meaning to catch leaving, leaving out of port. And they're like, oh, no. So they like uh, raise a flag and then shoot a cannon <laughs> to like get his attention. Uh, and then cut, cut to black. We go, you know, uh, next, no, we go to the, now we're in the afterlife. We go to the next chapter and we rewind a little bit and we see what happened at past part two. So past part two in Hong Kong, uh, a couple of days before, uh, a few days before actually like wakes up in the opium bed and is like, what the hell? I got to get out of here. He like stumbles out. And he's just like, uh, um, just saying the name of the ship. I forget the name of the ship. It starts with a C. And finally, somebody's like, oh, you must be trying to get on the ship. And they load him onto the ship, even though he's like, you know, high as a kite. Um, so he gets on the ship that night that is going to Yokohama uh, in Japan. Uh-huh. So I'm he's familiar. on a different ship, but he made the ship. So he's on the ship. He wakes up and he's like, oh, my God, where the hell am I? He figures out where he is. He figured out what happened. Uh, he land, you know, he lands in Yokohama. and He's like, cool. Now I'm in Japan. I've got no money. Uh, but my master, Fog, is on his way. Maybe he's on his way here. 
So I'm going to hang out for a while, see if he shows up. He's going to stick with the plan. Yeah, he needs food. He's hungry as hell, but he won't sell his watch. He Remember, this is the watch that he won't even change the time zone on. He loves this watch. Right. So he's like, all right. I, I still don't understand why he won't. Is he afraid that he'll he'll uh, wear out the gears? I don't know. And I, I forgive it's this chapter or one of the ones coming up where um, they tell him the time and, you know, and they're like, oh, it's, you know, three o'clock. And he's like, aha, I knew I was right to not change my watch. See, my watch says three o'clock, too. And it's like, well, you're 12 hours ahead, you knucklehead. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I stopped clock is right twice a day right and he's coming across one of the times it's right Mm -hmm. he needs food he wants to sell his watch so he's like oh i know i can do i can sing for my supper i can just literally yeah i can get out there and sing i'm a beautiful singer uh i'll be a street performer he's like i'm wearing fancy fancy englishman clothes people aren't gonna give me money so he goes to a shop where he sells his clothes and according to him, quote, becomes Japanese. Uh, he buys Japanese clothes. Uh, he becomes Japanese. Yeah, that's what he says. All right. Um, so he's able turning to Japanese. I think I'm turning Japanese. I really think so. See, I don't think he knew about that song at the time or else he would have what? definitely made a reference. Yeah, it might have had to get edited out because it didn't have the rights. That makes a lot of sense. So he sells his clothes. He he's got enough money to buy some Japanese clothes, and he's got a a few coins now. He goes and eats a huge breakfast with that money. Um, he's uh, walking around, and he finds this guy, Mister uh, Baltucar, Baltucar, Um, and he's like, "Hey, do you need a servant? Uh, I'm a servant." And Baltucar, he goes. I've already got two servants. And then he flexes his muscles. He shows his arms. And those are his nice. two servants. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, Mr. Mister uh, Baltucar. Tom, did I tell you about all the push-ups I've been doing? No, you haven't. I've been doing a lot of push-ups every day. How many? Uh, uh, 20. I've in, also been doing one sit-ups go? and planks. Uh, no, I do two uh, two sets, Tom. I do two at a time. <laughs> Two at a time over a period of hours. Look, I'm just saying, when we get out of this, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Imagine, you know, months from now, we see each other. Uh, hey, great to see you. And I just fucking cold cock you right <laughs> in the face. Just sucker punch me. In it your- wouldn't be a sucker punch. And as I as you're walking up, I see I'm like, God, you got really good. And then you just punch me in the face. Yeah, exactly. And then you get up, you scramble to your feet and try to try to fight back. But I'm too strong. Yeah, I'd take just out a you. Nah, I'd take out a knife at some point. Yeah. You do you carry a knife? <laughs> no, I don't carry a knife. But I'm going to start like a box cutter. I'm going to start now that I know. All right. uh, you've got yeah, out better for watch me. out because I'm gonna kick the shit out of you. Uh, it's not gonna be pretty. I I buried the lead on Baltucar. Uh, Baltucar is the owner of a circus. What? So he's like a circuses P- are bad. He's like a PT Barnum type. So this guy's like, uh, I don't need a servant, but I'll tell you what, Frenchmen can make great grimaces, and I could use a clown. Mm. Not grimace like from McDonald Land. I saw your but eyes if you light up. A, if, you, if you dress a, a Frenchman up like the grimace, it, it, they do do a pretty phenomenal job. Um, so he's like thrown into the circus as a clown. Um, th- there's a long explanation of this one circus performer that has spinning tops that sound phenomenal. I would really like to see this where it's like spinning tops that are just going all over the place. He puts a spinning top in his pocket, takes it out. It's still spinning. They're going down wires and everything. I'd like to see this act, but, uh, uh, Passepartout is part of this act where it's a bunch of clowns with very long noses, like six feet long noses. Uh, prosthetic noses and they build a pyramid like their noses 
it, with their bodies and their noses. But I guess because okay. like Passepartout is new, this he didn't get any training. It's like you can just go on the bottom of the pyramid. That's easy. Right, right, right. So he's on the bottom of the pyramid, this, you know, human pyramid being built. All of a sudden he sees in the audience, Mr. Fogg, and he freaks out and he's like, oh my God, master. And like runs out the whole pyramid. falls. Uh, man, this guy is, is involved in so many different, he's, he's involved in some vaudeville mm-hmm. style who's on first misunderstandings. Yeah. Um, he's doing some slapstick. Oh, there is a bit coming up that made me literally LOL. Um, so they, the, you know, the, the, everybody's reunited now. Uh, Passepartout decides to keep his knowledge of fix to himself. I don't really know why, but he does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we find out Ayuda is falling in love with Fogg. It's just, you Ooh. know, very much admiring him. Um Fix now has a warrant for his arrest. Oh, he got it. Okay. However, now he's in Japan where he doesn't have any jurisdiction. Mm, So Fogg could just be like, yeah, and just slap him and walk away. Yeah. But Fix um, sneaks onto the boat that is going to uh, San Francisco. So ah, Fix is Silicon gonna, Valley, where he's going to start a new business, make a new life. No, he's going to follow him. Uh, part two runs into Fix on the deck. Uh, you know, they're walking the deck or whatever after the ship's taken off. Passport two uh, beats the hell out of him. <laughs> nice. He's like, you, you slipped me opium and left me for dead in fucking Hong Kong. So he just starts like pummeling him. Uh, Amer- the Americans on the deck start betting on him. Nice. Uh, and then he claims that uh, the French are better. That's what I would do. The French are better fighters than the English. Is what uh, Jules Verne claims. Do we, do we agree with that? I don't agree with that. I don't know. I, I, have, I have no horse in that race. I don't. I care. could see French fighters being dirtier fighters, and and that giving them the upper hand. Yeah, pulling hair, scratching, biting, farting. Uh, so finally, like the fight ends, and Fix is like, "Listen, man, we're on the same side now. I no longer wish to impede your trip." This is kind of dumb reasoning. He's like, I don't wish to impede your trip because like, I can't arrest him now. I want to help you so that you get back to England so I can arrest him. <laughs> and for some reason, past parties like, all right, d- great. We're on the same side. Uh, the next chapter, this, this is where I LOL. They, they, the ship pulls into San Francisco. Everybody's excited. Everybody disembarks, but uh, past part two, decides to like vault off the ship with a flourish onto the dock. So he mm. does that and he falls right through the dock because the wood <laughs> was worm eaten. <laughs> so he just like uh, falls right through a plank, which is very funny. That is very funny. Uh, they go to a hotel, the international hotel. There's free food at the restaurant, which they describe as very American giving mm. away free food. Uh, past not, pa- not- not anymore. Not nowadays. Uh, they're, so they're going to travel via steam train across the country. Passepartout is like, look, that's, uh, you know, rough. It's going through uh, uh, Native American territory. He calls it Indian territory. And, uh, you know, he's very uh, scared of that. So he goes off to buy uh, uh, dozens of rifles and revolvers. <laughs> as, as you do. Yeah, uh, fix, does. Uh, fix accidentally bumps into fog. They, they've got like a few hours to kill before the train. Uh, they're at a political rally. They like bump into it and, uh, you know, it's like on the streets uh, and things get heated. Uh, some redhead punt- goes to punch fog. But guess what? Fix jumps in front of him and takes the punch. Because remember, right. fix wants fog on that train wants him getting right. back to england yeah, yeah. they get you know they're they're how many days have they been gone at this point 
Uh, over 50, maybe almost 60. I wish there was a 24 style uh, clock. Counter? That would go, that would, yeah, that would come on every once in a while and go, bink, bink, bink. They explain bink. that because of the route, um, they weren't able to like keep at the same latitude. Mm-hmm. So they've like kind of gone out of their way a lot. But this next shot is like straight shot across America. Get to, I presume, land of the free. I presume New York, and then they'll take off on a ship to London. So it's like pretty much straight line from here on out. The two of them, you know, their their nice clothes get all uh, messed up from uh, ripped and everything from the political rally fight. So they go to a tailor, they get new clothes. And they ask him, they're like, what was that big uh, hubbub about? It must have been something important. And guess what it was about? An election for justice of the peace. And it was anything but. Is that supposed to be ironic? Ironic? Yeah. It was. It was how they ended the chapter. Cute. Uh, uh, They talk about how now they're on the train. Before the train, it took six months to cross America. Now it takes seven days. Uh, past part two, still ready to strangle fix. If he tries anything funny, uh, there's a pretty good explanation that I didn't completely understand, but sounded really cool where, um, like the conductor comes in to the train car and he's like, all right, everybody it's bedtime. And somehow this train car Wait, he like, tells everybody that it's bedtime. That's what I thought, but he's doing that because he like rearranges everything and like pulls the seats down, everything transforms. Everybody's got their own bed completely surrounded by thick curtains. So they have privacy. Wow. It sounds nice. Sleeping on a train is lovely. Tom. Yeah. You ever been in a sleeper car? No, I wish. Uh, it was, uh, I took one from uh, Seattle to San Francisco, I think. Uh-huh. Tom, I had my own, I had my own roomette. You were with your wife, right? Yeah. Okay. No, she sat in coach. (laughs) In in luggage. Yeah. Um, Everything's going fine. Everything is going to plan. They're a day, potentially a day ahead of schedule. But then guess what? 10,000 buffalo decide to cross the train tracks. God damn it, these buffalo. Uh, past part two is like, well, I'll take care of this. Start taking out his revolver. And they're like, well, no, you can't just start shooting the Buffalo. That's not going to help. Yeah. And the, the revolver is not going to do much to a Buffalo. No, right? I don't think so. I think he'd have to shoot in the head like a few times. Yeah. Um, and he, and past part two, again, he, now he shows his colors as a jerk. He's like, oh, only in America would, you know, Buffalo stop a train. And again, Fog, he doesn't care. He's stoic about it. Uh, it's past part two that's like, you know, losing his mind. Three hours, the Buffalo have passed. They're back on their way. They stop in Utah. A uh, Mormon gets on the train, Elder William Hitch. Uh, and he, Is this a real Mormon from history? No, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. But he like walks up and down the train. He's like, hey, uh, I'm a Mormon. Anybody that's interested in uh, uh, learning more about Mormonism, I'm going to give a, a little uh, speech in car 117. Uh, and past part two, I think just because he's bored, he's like, ah, all I know about Mormons is polygamy. I'll go check this out. Um, so then uh, it's just this guy, uh, Elder Hitch, given like a long talk about Mormons. He and like it's like in real time. It goes through like the whole history of Mormonism. And he talks <laughs> about, he talks about how like uh uh they're martyrs and the US government like forced them into Utah and like doesn't want them to be polygamous. And and I didn't real and I'm thinking about this uh like at this point Mormonism is still like pretty new. Yeah. It's maybe like was it like Scientology of the time? I think even relative to now, because he says uh, Joseph Smith started Mormonism in 1825, and if this book came out in what did I say 1849, is it that long ago? No, 
Maybe not that long. It was 150 years, so like maybe 1870s, 1880s, maybe. Hmm. Okay. But, but anyway, Mormonism's still pretty new. So like he's mostly curious. Um this guy talks about how uh uh I think jo- 1872. I think Joseph Smith uh it was him. He received from quote a simple mummy showman a, a scripture from oh, no. that was written by Abraham, uh, the biblical Abraham, Abraham Bible. If you remember him, yeah, I remember him. Uh, much like me reading this chapter, people are getting bored during this whole speech and they're leaving. Uh, like you know the the much cra- like me hearing you talk about this chapter. <laughs> The crowd keeps dwindling until it's just past part two. He's the only one there. And this guy's just preaching to him. Uh, He's been like preaching for hours now. And he's like, all right, well, that's the end of it. Uh, What do you say, friend? Will you join the Mormon church? And past part two just goes, no, and gets up and leaves. (laughs) Uh, They pull into Salt Lake City. Uh, and, uh, they notice that there's a lot of women. I don't in- know very many, uh, French people, but all the French people I know act exactly like <laughs> passport. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, they get to Salt Lake city. He notices that there's a lot of women in town. He's like, well, that makes sense with the polygamy and all. Um, and then uh, the train takes off again, but this guy runs down the uh, the the station. He's like, wait, wait, and jumps on the train as it's moving, you know, like in the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Passepartout is like, ah, oh, and I guess he's dressed like a Mormon of the time. So he knows he's a Mormon. He's like, ah, oh, this guy, yeah, he's probably looking to get out of town because, you know, he's got all those wives and all those wives are, are annoying him. So he, he asks them how many wives he has. And the guy says, just one, but that was enough. <laughs> Women. Yeah. And and that's the the end. That's that's what happens. In the whole book? No, not it in the whole all, book. It was all leading up to a joke about uh, wives being <laughs> annoying. If please. <laughs> um, cool. You have, there's just one more chunk left. One more chunk. Um, I got to say, um, the uh, passport to you seems like a, a fun character. He's got a lot of slapsticky stuff going yes. on. Everything else just seems to be like, all right, and they're continuing to go around the world. I don't know. It's fun. I mean, I'm cutting out a lot of the uh, description. Okay. Yeah, the flowery prose. Uh, some of it's some of it's like a little boring like it goes way too uh deep into details but some the of the Mormon details speech yeah although the, like that kind of worked for the joke of just past part two saying no getting up and leaving uh yeah and i mean it was like a crash course in mormon history which i didn't know too much about uh but i feel uh, like everything i know about the mormon religion comes from uh, things that are mocking it, like that South Park episode or the yeah. Book of Mormon, the the show. Yeah. Um, your recounting of what uh <laughs> you read in this book. Um, people mocking uh Mitt Romney in 2012. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's de- yeah. This is definitely making. I mean, this might be one of the earliest instances of making fun of them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Rough go of it. Yeah. Look, maybe that's uh I don't I don't I don't I don't have any opinion on the matter, Tom. Uh no, me neither. And I was surprised that actually like uh it is pointed out that even back then like uh polygamy was not uh required in in uh the Mormon church. Yeah, right. it was allowed and perhaps encouraged, but it, not everybody who was a Mormon was a polygamist. Yeah. So just to be clear. But uh but yeah, like uh there there are very cool descriptions of uh the different locales, like hearing what San Francisco looked like in the late eighteen mid to late eighteen hundreds, where like especially like somebody from Passepartout's perspective, where like he can't believe that he's like in a big city, uh which like you know is like a 
at that point still like a pretty new city um but that it, it's already like a melting pot like he points out that it's like ah oh, i see like europeans and indians and asians and like i've never seen such a collection of different people so like it it's uh it's cool to read those descriptions like it really paints a an interesting historical picture of uh these cities yeah a city that uh existed before it was completely killed by a bunch of assholes yeah hey san francisco you stink now nah, they're fine whatever they're nice uh yeah, it used to be a much better city. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, it's a, Even New like, York used to be a much better city too. Yeah. Every city stinks now, huh? Yeah, I guess or so. Or are we just getting old? I think a little bit of both. Yeah. Everything stinks now. Uh, well, right not this moment, cities. yeah, everything stinks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to go around the world in the next 80 days, I'll tell you that much. Very clever. <laughs> Very tired, Tom. Uh, all right, so you're going to finish the book. I can't wait to watch this movie starring Jackie Chan and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I believe Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like a cameo level. Like it, above a cameo, he's in one scene, I believe. But still, mm. it, was, it was his last role before he became governor, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like that can't be true. The movie came out, oh, 2004. Okay, yeah, I thought it was like 2007. I'm excited to watch it, too. I'm also going to watch it. No, it's against the rules, Tom. I'll watch it after you watch it, because now, actually, I'm thinking about it. You might watch it and be like, this sucks. Oh, speaking of Tom Cruise, freaking uh, the article I was reading today about him going to space with NASA to make a movie, it was like Tom Cruise, like, uh, no actor has risked his life. No movie star has risked his life more than Tom Cruise. And then par- uh, parathetical is like Jackie Chan might disagree. It's like, yeah, of course Jackie Chan might disagree because he has risked his life way more than mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Yeah, that was it. I've read that same. That was in Deadline. It was when they were uh, yeah, announcing yeah. it. Yeah, it was like the, yeah. the art of the exclusive. Yeah. It's like Jackie Chan has almost died multiple times <laughs> making his movie. Tom Cruise broke his ankle and it looked horrible and I wouldn't mm-hmm. want it to happen to me, but that's not almost dying <laughs> from like falling five stories on your head or whatever. Yeah. So if I read a romance novel, are you just going to watch a porno? I didn't think about it, but that would be great. <laughs> an hour of you describing a porno to me <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i like that idea. i mean i can't i don't know if i've ever like watched like a feature length porno front to back well, maybe you could watch something like debbie does dallas or something like a classic yeah a classic porno i mean i could yeah. I, we could find like a romantic porno for me to watch <laughs> I don't like the idea that like you and I will will together browse for a romantic porno. <laughs> yeah, we'll agree on it. All right. Um big things happening on the Patreon. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna be glad that you got in early. Yeah. Thank you for being patrons. Uh we'll we'll see you next week when Tom will finish the finish the old book. Yep. All right, bye.